TCJA, that's right, Tax Cuts Job Act just got passed by our legislative branch and then signed into law by the President of the United States. We've heard the politics, but what does it actually mean for your wallet? Tune in today, and we're going to give you all the details. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. So, Bo, I want to get the house cleaning out of the way because we have so much to cover today. And and before I do that, well, let me go ahead and do this. Moneyguy.com, I want to get this out of the way. Go check us out on Twitter. Go check us out on YouTube. And by the way, if you haven't gone to the YouTube channel... You need to see, we're doing things differently. We've switched our position. That's um, right. No longer doing headphones. We're trying to, you know, things definitely trying to make evolving. some changes. So if you don't know what the heck Brian and Bo look like, <laughs> YouTube is your friend. So check us, check us out definitely on themoneyguy.com, Twitter, as well as YouTube and Facebook. And then if you're looking to take the relationship to the next level, if you watch today's show and you go, wow, these guys really are passionate about getting as much nerdiness out of tax policy, investments, I need these guys in my corner. We want you to to, to check us out because we are in the majority of the country now and we could be a resource for you. So take the relationship to the next level. Okay, now that I got that mouthful out of the way, here's where I'm at, Bo. This everything in the world right now is politicized. Sure. And we make a very concerted effort here on the Money Guy Show. We don't talk politics. Right. Because I recognize I like my clients that think this way. I like my clients that think this way. And politics, you're not going to change people's mind on things. Sure. And if, if it's one of those things that's going to upset people and upset your friends, upset the people you care about. Don't even go there. That's that's what that's what we operate here at the Money Guy Show. But then every now and then, the government swerves into my pool. I mean, it, there's no other way to say it. Is they change tax policy? They do something that we have to give you insight so that you know what to do with your wallet. I mean, right. how do you make decisions? So that's exactly what's happened. Now that we have a new tax policy, you guys are probably out there wondering, well, what do I do? And here's what I found when I was trying to look at this for myself was that there's lots of research and lots of analysis of what the House bill was. There's lots of analysis of what the Senate bill was. And there's even discussion on how they were trying to bridge it when they met in committee to try to come up with a consolidated plan. But it seems like after the bill was passed and signed by the president, all all chatter kind of dropped off well, there largely. Was, you know, Christmas and that sort of thing. Well, that were, I give it that, but it, it frustrates me that once again, I feel like the media pushed controversy, got things all stirred up, but then didn't help us sort it out. So fortunately, I feel like we're here to kind of sort out where where things actually lay and how it impacts your wallet. Um, the other thing I want to do is, and this is my disclaimer, is that. On top of my disclaimer, I guess this is a disclaimer this is the on top of a disclaimer. disclaimer. This is the second is that I've had neighbors ask me about this. I've had my relatives at Christmas Christmas ask me about this, and and and, and I feel like I should share. My neighborhood <laughs> is the perfect perfect cross section of people relocating from all over the country. So a lot of different religious, political, different views, and then my relatives. We have a good cross section. There too sure. is that we don't all look at think look at the world as the same way, and I'm so far I'm two for two on not upsetting, <laughs> and at least having people 
verbally tell me they were upset sure. with me as, as we talked about this. So I, I'm kind of excited to get into this. I want to lay out, here's the outline so you know what's coming to you today. The first thing is we'll give you some real talk. We're going to talk about who are the winners, who are the losers, right on the front end, so we don't we don't hide that on the back of this. If you just want to know, give me the good stuff on the front end. I'm going to share that with you. Then we're going to transition this thing to talk about planning opportunities. We only have... I mean, this podcast is going to get released this Friday, which oh, is... 29th, yeah. 29th. So, I mean, you guys got a boogie if you want to get any tax yeah. planning done before December 31st of 2017. But we're going to put it in here. And then I want to go beyond that because the majority of you who see this and, and to, to, find implement, to find planning opportunities, you're going to be thinking 2018 and beyond. So we're going to share those type of things. So planning opportunities will be provided and then I want to take a little bit of time because nobody is doing this out there in the journalistic world. I haven't seen anybody talking about this and even the financial planning blogs and so forth is. And maybe I'm unique in the fact that I worked in government for 12 years. So, you know, I was an, I was an elected official both on the school board as well as a county commissioner. So I think that that gives me insight into the way governments work sure. more than others. I think there's going to be some macro trends or shifts in behaviors because of this tax bill, somebody should talk about that because part of what your job of being a good financial-minded person is is reading the tea leaves, knowing and thinking about things three steps ahead of everybody else. So if we can kind of talk about what things that could be happening in the future, it'll help you get a better handle of what you need to be doing to be prepared for those changes that are coming in, in, in your community. And then kind of the last thing I had on here after we go through some of those systematic macro changes that could be occurring, I want to nerd out, you know, for, for the people who really want to go through what current policy is to what the new policy is, we're going to kind of go line by line, not on everything. I don't want to say we could cut because Every time I pull research, and the, the new bill is 500 pages, um, we're not going to be able to get everything, but we're going to try to give you some high points of all the nerdy stuff that you want to know about sure. this new new tax policy. So I think we've we've kind of chalked this show full of something for everybody. I'm excited because this, like you said, this is sort of right in your wheelhouse. So I think about it, it's like you know getting to take batting practice with Ted Williams <laughs> or, or maybe uh, playing horse with Michael Jordan. I feel like that's where I'm at right now. I get to just sit back and, and drink in some CPA knowledge right now. And, and a lot of people, because, I mean, we don't talk about it a ton. I mean, maybe we talk about it a little bit. My background is actually in a public accounting. I, I graduated from University of Georgia. Go dogs. Hopefully, you know, by the time you get this show, we'll be getting prepared for to face the Sooners That's right, Oklahoma. and their awesome quarterback, which um, much love, but we're hoping we whoop them. <laughs> but here's the thing. I got an accounting degree from Georgia, and I worked in public accounting for a number of years. And even when I got into financial planning, I was still doing tax preparation for the first 16, 17 years um, that I was in practice. So a lot of, um, a lot of experience with working with small business owners sure. as well as helping individuals get their taxes done. So I think that hopefully we will be that bridge that gets into the taxes, the elected officials, as well as you, the individual, because of us being financial planners, help you navigate this as efficiently as possible. And I love the way that you started this, Brian. You say we're going to jump out of the gate talking about who are the winners, who are the losers, because that's what people really care about is how will this tax bill specifically affect me and my situation? So let's get the bad news out of the way first. We, you know, every, somebody says, give me the good news, bad news. I always start, start with the, the bad, bad news. news. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about who's actually going to get beat up by this tax policy. Um, and you're going to notice a trend. High income. I'm sure. just going to say high income because high income single filers. This is everybody who's, you know, makes a great income, not married, 
between, it's really somewhere around 180. You know, it's over 150, 160. Okay. If you look at the tax pot codes, but somewhere between 180 to $400,000. Um, if you're a single high income person, your tax rates, they don't necessarily, they didn't get better didn't in this improve, tax policy. Yeah. They definitely didn't improve. Um, so you're going to notice there's going to be potentially a, a, a slight increase on your taxes because what, what happened is, is when they set up the new tax rates, they cut, um, a trimmed a little bit off of all the different tax rates, but they didn't move the bar too far for the, for high income single sure. individuals. Um, and I think, you know, the way I look at tax policy, I think what happened, it wasn't like they got in a room and they said, who can we stick it to? I think what actually happens is, is that they, they're working with this one and a half trillion dollar deficit yeah. cap. That's why this thing all sunsets at 2025 anyway. And they knew they wanted to make the corporate tax cuts permanent. So they had to figure out how do we keep this thing under one and a half trillion dollars. So they started playing with the numbers and unfortunately high income single filers kind of bear, you know, carried a lot of that. The next group is high income taxpayers that live in high salt areas. And this is, I like it when I, all the journalists are saying salt constantly and, and, but they never, what salt means is state and local taxes. So if you live in a community, a state or a local community that has high, you know, state income taxes, um, high, high property taxes, high local community taxes, there could be some issues for sure. you because so California, uh, yeah, New California, York. Connecticut, you know, New York, DC area, yep. all those um, areas. And it's not necessarily because the tax rates went up in those areas. It's just that a big loophole that a lot of people in high income tax areas have been enjoying for years is getting closed down a little right. bit. And that's where you've seen a lot of discussion um, about this. So we'll go, we're going to be talking about that. And I'm even going to talk about the macro impact. And I don't think anybody else out there is doing these type of discussions. So tune in for that part as we get deeper into this. Sure. But those are the two big losers in yep. this thing. Yep. Um, the winners... And, and here's the thing is I, if you haven't, if you're not following us on Twitter, I would encourage you go look at our Twitter feed. We don't drive you crazy. It's not like I'm telling you every time I'm dropping off the kids, you know, it, it you know, at it, school or cause I've seen people, I follow bloggers and other things and you're like, is that really worthwhile and sharing? So we don't load you up with that type of stuff. It's really, we try to hit you with things we think that you would be interested in. One of them, I put a tool that the New York Times had put out for. It was an interactive tool that you could look at on your phone, on your iPads, you know, your tablets, or even your, your desktop computer, where you just told, you know, just a few items about yourself, your income, um, were you married, single, right. head of household, um, did you, did you, how many children did you have, you know, and what's your, your standard deduction versus itemized deductions. You put that data in, it would give you kind of a range of how much you could anticipate benefiting from right. The new tax policy. And what, according to their article, 75% of taxpayers will benefit from this um, new tax policy as of 2018. You know, that's surprising to me. That's a pretty substantial number. To have any sort of tax reform where 75% of folks improve their situation is a little unique. So I would encourage you to go out there and check out, and I'll see if we can, uh, if Lisa can put the link yeah, on this um, sure. also in the show notes. So if you go to moneyguy.com or you can, like I said, go on Twitter and you'll see that link to that interactive calculator to see how these taxes impact you. But um, the other big winners is corporations. Corporations will see their tax rates go from 
35% to pretty much a, a, what is a flat rate of 21%. The 35% jumps up pretty quickly. What most people don't realize, that 35% actually is a 38%, but it comes back down to 35 once the income of the company is over, you know, $18 million sure. and, and some change. But it's, it's one of those things where corporations and this portion of the tax policy reform will be permanent is going from 35% to 21%. Um, I think there's, this is where there's been a lot of, of communication in the press about how this is going to benefit all these big corporations. But I want to talk about where, where does that money go and what does that impact? Because I think that's an important thing is that I think that that extra money, you've already seen, I think it was up to 17 to 18 different companies have announced they're doing $1,000 bonuses right. to their employees because of this. So I do think that hopefully it's, it's kind of, we'll get a stimulus impact, impact from, these companies giving some more money to their employees, so there will be an increase in employees' wages and bonuses. And it's not even it's not even the employees that you see in the headlines. I know I was at my my daughter's Christmas performance, right? And um, you know, I was talking to the guy, you know, one of the parents sitting next to me. I'm friends with with his family, and I was saying, you know, he asked me, he said, you know, what's going on with this tax bill? It just got passed. You know, I know the president signed it, but what what, what are your thoughts? I said, well. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. He goes, well, our CEO just sent an email to expect bigger bonuses as a result of this. So I think that this hopefully you will see some employee wages sure. and bonuses bump ups from that that benefit. That and money was he being excited about? Down. Was that the guy excited about it? He, he was definitely excited. So it's I mean, even a morale boost, right? Well, you know, and that's, that's what we were talking about. You know, before we started doing the show, I think when. He, Take out the politics of it. If you think about efficiency of use of wallet space, who do you want to have the money? I think I'd rather you, my listeners, have the money in your back pocket than I necessarily would with the government. And I'm sure. going to explain some of that in the macro uh, uh, when I when I get to that point of the show as, as well. The other thing is I think you'll benefit from this spread is you're hoping that there's a lot of new capital investments. I know that's what a lot of the... The hope is when these these our elected officials came up with this tax policy is that they want you know companies to start bringing more manufacturing and other things. So hopefully there'll be some capital investments. And then here's what I'm hopeful for: us all being a financial planning podcast, as well as helping giving you some thoughts on investing and so forth. I'm hoping your 401k goes up. I'm hoping sure. your 403b because I'm hoping that we're going to see this surge of of, of money come in from companies where it, it does get put to work in yep. the economy, and we are the net beneficiaries through our 401ks and pensions and, and everything else. That That's the hope. Yep. So we'll, we'll quickly see in the next year if, if this plays out. And that's what, without going too, too deep, I mean, there's also a part of this provision that I thought was kind of unique. And I give you guys way too much detail, but I just want you to know, a lot of people don't realize, like Apple, a lot of the the big companies that are household names, they had started doing a lot of structuring their business overseas. Ireland was um, became kind of a tax haven, and it's because their tax rate was like twelve and a half percent. You compare thirty five percent to twelve and a half percent, and these corporations were kind of putting themselves in a pretzel to take advantage of you know all this lower tax rates. I think that the net loser is going to be these countries like Ireland and so forth that have been getting the the taking advantage of the companies moving assets over there 
it will be nice if they could start bringing Bring some, some of, that. of that back here to the United States. So there's a repatriation yep. tax. You know, it's it ranges between wasn't it like eight percent to fifteen and a half percent depending upon whether it's cash or, or illiquid. Um, but that that's still substantially lower than the old thirty five percent. So hopefully there'll be more money that does come back in the United States and and has a benefit. You know, another another uh, cross section of the population that will probably benefit from from this tax reform. Uh, and we see this a lot with the clients that we work with, uh, are individuals and families who are subject to alternative minimum tax. Uh, while it's still there and it's still going to be present in the tax code, it doesn't, it's not going to capture as wide a swath of the population, I believe. I mean, it was, and I'm trying to find my numbers. I had it, but it, from memory, it was once you got over 150, 160, um, you know, you, all the way up to 600,000, you started having alternative minimum tax. And for you guys that don't know, I always like to bring it back because you, you read an article and go, gosh, that was, that, I'm sure that was helpful, but he didn't tell me what he was talking about. Alternative minimum tax is essentially a flat tax. When I hear people come to me all the time and say, Brian, we ought to just have a flat tax. I'm like, we got one. It's called alternative minimum tax because what this thing does in the past is it takes your all your deductions because what the way taxes work currently is you know you make your money and then you take out your deductions so your itemized deductions we'll talk about that in, in greater detail in a minute but then you multiply that by your tax rate but the problem is is that if your deductions get too high according to the government they have a flat tax of twenty six to twenty eight percent where they take out your deductions compare it to their twenty six to twenty eight percent rate. And if that tax is higher than your tax, they say, nope, you're going to do this flat Unless tax. you get to pay the higher of the you two. You get to pay the higher of the two. So, and this was originally set up to catch the richest of the rich. Right. But as, you know, because of inflation and other things, it started catching a lot of a lot middle, of what, what they perceive as middle class families. So it's nice that alternative minimum tax is going to improve significantly. Mm-hmm. It's not done away with. That was originally a legislative goal, I think, but it's, it's still there. But the teeth have been reduced greatly, and we'll get into that in the in the detail section as well. The other one, this one, I tell you, if you're thinking about estate taxes, it it, it still it cracks me up when I hear people, and it's like people haven't updated their textbooks. People who are still selling trust and life insurance and other things because of this big boogeyman of estate taxes. Right. I mean, you, and just to give people a quick history lesson, when I first started doing this for a living, I think the estate exemption was super low. It was like $675,000. And so if you had a 401k from your whole working career, a house that was Equity, paid for. Yeah, house and, paid for. I mean, you always, yeah, yeah, in the past, it was structured where if you had an estate over 675000 you could see half to 50 to 55% of your assets be ta- or you see taxes of 50 sure. tax rates of 50% to 55% of those assets over 675 you can see how that's a scary thing cuz it's not hard to get caught in that net we've seen that number getting pushed higher and higher where currently the number is 5.49 million per person which already was a pretty generous yeah, cuz especially if you number. add that to a spouse you can see you're getting really close to $11 million of net worth before you had to worry about estate tax. Well, under this tax policy, up until the year 2025, 
Now it's eleven million dollars per person, or twenty-two million for family. So that's um, estate taxes is getting to be one of those boogeymen that you worry about, but you find out when you look under the bed, there's really nothing to be. It scared only applies of. to the ultra high. Network. Yeah, because I mean, now we're talking about even small business. Because that's how when it was six seventy-five, six hundred seventy-five thousand. There was a lot of people that were panicked because this was catch- capturing a lot of small businesses yep. and making them do fire sales. I think a lot of that has now been taken care of. So that, that that's a that's a win um, for people who have bigger estate issues. So let's transition and talk about what are the planning opportunities. Okay. So, well, we're in December of 2017. By my Last calendar, days of means we have a few days to think about this. And a lot of people are probably like, wow, what can I do right now to take advantage of it? And, and just general macro senses of things, if you know tax rates are going to be lower next year and in deductions are going to start being minimized in the future year, it probably means a good strategy would be to let's let's defer, ta- defer income into 2018. Right. And let's try to get some deductions into 2017. Sure. That's, that's, that's probably a great planning strategy, but there are some things, some, some, some traps or some limitations that you need to be aware of. So the first thing is, is that if you live in one of these salt state and local income tax communities that has a rate where you're paying well over $10,000 a year, if you add up all of your taxes paid to your state and local governments and it exceeds $10,000, I'm talking about your property taxes, your state income taxes, your local community taxes, right. uh, maybe you have ad valorem tax on your cars. Mm-hmm. If that stuff's exceeding $10,000, you need to be like, wow, is there anything I can pay now? Before the end of the year. Before the end of the year. Before, but here's the only limitation. Make sure that your community can actually take it because it's one thing for me to tell you, hey, well, you know what a great planning opportunity would be for you to go ahead and prepay your 2018 property taxes and you go cut a check to your government and then the government gets a check and goes, what, what do I do with this? What, what do I do with this? So Because I don't know that governments are necessarily <laughs> set up to take that money a year early. So definitely call your local community and see if they even can, can take that money. Now, a lot of you smart people were probably saying, well, wait a minute, I'll just go ahead and pay my state income taxes. I'll just write a big old estimated right, tax payment big old check. check, and it will be deductible. I'll get that money in, and you know, I'll laugh at the government in 2018. The government actually outsmarted us a little bit. I still want you to prepay your state income tax for 2017, but if it pertains to 2018, meaning if you overpay what is owed, and it goes, it rolls into 2018, you don't get a deduction for that in 20. They were, they, they kind of outsmarted us on that. And the other thing about making a big old state income tax payment for 2017 is, remember, we still have the old alternative minimum tax rules. So there's mm-hmm. a good chance some of those state income taxes are going to get phased out. So you need to go pull last year's taxes. Look and see how much alternative minimum tax you paid, and how much you owed for a state your state tax due. So, and if so, I don't want you to go create a bunch of work only to find when you do your taxes later. You go, well, gosh, Brian told me I was going to get a deduction for prepaying my 2017 taxes. I'd have much rather had that money for another 15 days. So, you need to understand how alternative minimum tax and your state income taxes. But remember, only pay what you owe for 2017. It's not going to benefit you to pay those state income taxes. For 2018 and 2017, they outsmarted you on that, so don't do it. Um, you also need to look at your itemized deductions. Realize next year the standard deduction for married people is going to be twenty-four thousand yep. dollars, and that's that's your. It's not only your your 
itemized deductions or your standard deduction, it's also going to include your personal exemption. So when you look at your tax return and you look at your, your deductions, maybe your itemized deductions for last year, if they didn't exceed $24,000, you probably ought to go ahead and load it up into 2017 because yep. there's a good chance you'll never itemize again. That's right. I mean, that's something. So if you, if you have some charitable contributions you can make now at year end, go ahead and do it. Let's, this is an opportunity for you to consider Going ahead and bringing that forward and getting a bigger deduction. Itemized deductions. They're gone. In 2018, these things are disappearing. So if you've, you know, if you got a safety deposit box, you're talking about the miscellaneous. Yeah, the miscellaneous itemized deductions. Did I not say the miscellaneous? I think you left out the miscellaneous part. That miscellaneous is a very important word. (laughs) The miscellaneous itemized deductions will be going away. So definitely take advantage of those because that's also including your unreimbursed business expenses. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a bunch of um, expenses that you, you know, put in, you pay for yourself, your company does not reimburse you for it. If you got something that you were thinking about doing in January, February, March for that was going to be unreimbursed, go ahead and do it right now and bring it in. You just have a few days to take advantage of it. That's something you ought to consider. So if I'm sitting here, Brian, and I go look at my tax return and I'm a single individual, I'm like, man, I just, I don't have $12,000 of itemized deductions year over year. If I'm married, I don't have 24000 What are some things that I could be thinking about moving forward as an opportunity to maybe not game the system, but be a little more tax efficient in how I, you know, fund certain life goals? No, this is, this is the stuff that I get excited about because this is what we do for a living. I mean, is try to come up with strategies, come up and make sure people are thinking about ways to handle their money more efficiently and effectively so that they Really get that. Remember, the goal of the Money Guy podcast, I want your money to go three to five percent further than everybody else. And part of that is just understanding what the planning opportunities are. And one of them is, I think you ought to consider stacking charitable giving. Um, and that doesn't mean, cause you hear that, you're like, gosh. So that means one year I am going to be the most generous person in the world and the next year I'm going to be a miser. That's not exactly what I'm saying because there are cool planning tools out there that will help you, even though you might, for tax purposes, look like you are just doing very generous in one year and then very limited the next because you are stacking these things because you're trying to exceed that standard deduction that's now so much higher. What you can actually use is both Fidelity, Schwab. I mean, there's other ones out there. They have charitable gift funds where you can give appreciated, you know, stocks, mutual funds. It doesn't matter. Or just give cash. For for tax planning purposes, cash might be necessary You can put them in these things. You'll get the deduction on the time that you make the contribution or the transfer, but then you can determine over the next year, two years, three years, how you want to spread and make that contribution. So that way, maybe your church or the organization you are interested in funding, they don't have to be in a feast or famine type situation. There's actually a planning opportunity if you stack your charitable giving um, to, to, to exceed that standard deduction and take advantage of it every other year or yeah, so forth. So the real easy mathematics here is if you're a family that makes, I'm going to make up a number here, $150,000 a year and you like to give away 10% per year, rather than giving the 15000 every year, Every other year, give thirty. If you have, you know, if you have some assets that that will allow that to happen, and then you can still funnel that to the organizations that you support on a monthly or quarterly basis, however you like to do that. Yeah. So that way, your cash flow is not necessarily different, but it, from a tax impact st- stance, it would definitely be in your best interest. The other, the other thing is, you probably want to be strategic with your medical expenses. I thought it was quite interesting with this tax reform; they didn't go retroactive on 
hardly anything. I mean, most things are going to kick in as of January 1st of 2018, even some things getting deferred out till January of 2019. But um, with medical expenses, because this was something that from a, I guess you'd call it controversial standpoint, right. um, they were thinking about on the House bill, they were just going to do away with this deduction. Yeah. And that was very scary for a lot of people. Well, as y'all know, I have a special needs child. She goes to a special school. And there's a lot of parents at that special school that are actually the tuition for the private school is a medical expense yeah. because it is such a specialized school for alternative learners that it was going to break my heart if all of a sudden, because it's a hardship to, to sure. spend $40,000 a year for tuition for your yeah. special needs child. I mean, it's nice that you, they at least some of these people got to take a tax deduction. Sure. If that went away, that was going to be a true hardship. And yeah. it's not just school. I mean, all the, the, the speech therapy, all the occupational therapy, all the things. And there's people who have other, you know, special needs. I'm sure they can list off a, a group of specialists and doctors they have to go see. So I was like, man, this is crazy that they're going to do away with this. So, cause it's currently, it was 10%. You had to have, Medical expenses that exceed 10% of your adjusted gross income before they were deductible. So I was glad to see when the actual final bill came out, they didn't do away with it. They actually made it better. For the next two years, it's that instead of it being a 10% threshold, it's a 7.5% threshold. So, and that's retroactive to 2017. So, um, my, my thought is on this though, be strategic with those medical expenses. You know, you might, there might even be an opportunity because you have that threshold of seven and a half percent you have to exceed. Maybe if you, you know, you do need to stack those if it's things that you can actually pre-plan. Now, obviously with medical, medical you don't always get yeah. to plan, but if you can be, be smart with it. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to kind of talk about before we got into the macro things? No, I think those are the two, those are the big opportunities that we saw from this. Uh, obviously, you know, it's kind of a summary. Defer income into future years, accelerate deductions into this year, uh, and then moving forward, think about stacking so you can really take advantage of the itemized piece. Here's another one that, that I was planning on getting into the details, but I think for, for my people who aren't going to nerd out with us, that they might disappear. You've heard us pick on, I mean, I think one of the biggest, hardest pills to swallow in this tax bill is if you do live in a high tax state, you know, you're worried about having that cap of $10,000 for all of your taxes. One of the big planning opportunities comes in the fact of 529 accounts now are going to not only be useful for college education, they've changed the provision where now K through 12 private school and education becomes a priority. So if you live in one of these high tax states, um, it becomes more imperative for you to consider Looking at what does your state 529 plan allow in tax benefits sure. from a state perspective? Like in Georgia, Georgia. it was at $4,000 4, yeah. per child is tax deductible no matter what your income is. So if you think about it, that's a free 6% match, mm-hmm. you know, that they're giving. So somebody who's, who's paying, you know, that, take advantage of that because now that you, if you, especially if you got a kid in K through 12 private school, you know, it's going to be, it might even be beneficial enough that you put the money into the 529, take it, the tax deduction in the current year, and then still take the, the distribution yep. to pay for the, the private school. Same I way people use HSAs. Yep. You don't, you, so make sure you're paying attention to what happened with 529s, because there's going to be a greater opportunity there. And I'll get into more details on it, but I wanted to make sure when we're talking about opportunities that that one didn't pass us by. So, Let's talk about the macro changes or the reading the tea leaves, because this is the part where I think that I'm hearing nobody talk about it that I felt like we could give some some thought to, and hopefully you guys could internalize this and figure out how you 
what, what this means for you and your wallet, and maybe even where you need to live over the next five to ten years. One of the things that I think the biggest part that came out of this tax policy, and we've been uh, very much taking advantage of this for, for years, is that there is a human nature element that occurs. We all hate paying taxes. If you talk to anybody, I remember, I think I made the first three to four years I started my company. I got most of my business from small business owners because I have a background in taxes because the first thing that usually came out of their mouth was, man, I got to quit paying so much in taxes. How can it? So we have a human nature, especially if you are paying a lot of taxes. How do I minimize this? So there's a little bit of, it's like music to your ears when you hear the word, it's deductible. deductible. I mean, there is something very powerful about hearing it's deductible. It kind of gives you like, whoa. I need to be doing that because that lets me stick it to the man legally. So I got to take advantage of that. And we tell this to small business owners. We tell this to retirement savers. Guys, you got to be loading up those retirement accounts because realistically, the government's paying 25 to 40% of your contribution through tax savings alone. So that's a very powerful narrative that we use in our business. Well, I think state governments (coughs) have also been using this it's deductible narrative Mm -hmm. to their benefit because what happens is is they've been pushing up their local taxes. And, you know, in in you as a citizen, you're like, well, I hate paying taxes, but don't worry. It's, it's deductible. deductible. Yep. You know, the, the federal government's going to give you a huge tax deduction on this. So no big deal that, you know, because the government's going to, your federal government's going to be paying 25 to 40% of those state income taxes. It's deductible. Well, we all know that that now is gone. I mean, it's capped. It's minimized yep. significantly because now, you know, it's 15%. I mean, $10,000 uh, for everything. And where this comes into play, I know when I talk to my neighbors who came from areas like Chicago, I think half my neighborhood is from Chicago, right. actually. You know, where they're telling me they're paying property taxes of twenty dollars to $24,000 a year. They're paying state income tax well over $20,000 a year. And you start hearing these things, you're like, wow, this is going to have a huge impact on people who live in these states. And I, th- I think that I, what, I, what I worry about is, is what happens now when the citizens of these states now start going, well, what am I getting right. for this? I don't get the tax deduction anymore. What's the impact of this? And a, a, the loss of a good tax deduction is going to cause for some hard discussions, I think, in a lot of these states and a lot of these communities. And I want to talk about what is a reasonable amount of taxes to be paid. And I want this to be a healthy discussion. And I wanted to give some <coughs> of my background because I used to go to a lot of, I was a county commissioner for about five years and used to go to conferences and other things and meet with other local government officials. And one of the things, there was some books that I had read and some, some, some things that I had tried to share with, with other commissioners and elected officials I talked to is that I was worried about this new paradigm we were in and the fact that it's just like I told you, my neighbor was from Chicago. Well, what's interesting, his wife, does stuff that relates to the West Coast, like in the San Francisco area with the medical field. He's working for a technology company that's also based in California, yet he's living in Tennessee. You notice, you're noticing geography doesn't mean back when, and this is what I was trying, trying to talk to other elected officials about in the past was, is that in the past, you, you wanted to have your big company and you worried, you know, tw- having that big company was enough, you know, to where a 20-mile radius around that big company, you knew you could get employees there. Sure. And it was important that you had the interstate, you know, 10 miles from 
you know, so all these things, yeah. yeah, all these things went into play. You had to have your infrastructure of a good highway system. You had to have the company there for people to go work. And you need to have a good school system. These things all went into play. And that's really the macro, you know, the, 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 the environment that, that we were all in. Well, now it doesn't matter where you live. I mean, now you as a community better be competitive, not only from an education standpoint, quality of life standpoint with parks and, and fun Tax things cost. to do. But your taxes have to be competitive because now your people have options. If they don't like the taxes, more than likely their employer will allow them go live somewhere else and still do some some work sure. for them. So I think that we definitely need to have a discussion on this. I know when I was on the school board, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that was important was what does it cost to educate each child and how much of that money was making it to the classroom and how much of that money was being spent on, you know, superintendents, central office, because those things, Administration they're, they're a necessity, but they're, they're not, that's not rubber hitting the road and, you know, teaching the student. Right. You know, it was a necessity, but it was, you wanted more money going to the classroom than you wanted in central office. Yeah. And it cracked me, it used to amaze me, the community I was on the school board with, our cost per pupil was around $160 for administrative costs. But yet the city of Atlanta, which you, you think the bigger the school system, because we had about 40,000 students, they had even more. Right. The bigger, you know, economies of scale, it should be cheaper. It should be less expensive. But they yeah. were spending $3,000 per child on administration. That's not $3,000 per child in the classroom. They were spending 3000 just on administration, meaning wow. superintendents. So... That's not a healthy use of facility, you know, of resources. And I think that hopefully some of this macro stuff will, can have some discussions <laughs> on what is reasonable and what's not reasonable. Because I think geography is going to change. This stuff, I think, is going to have a bigger impact than people realize. And, and you need to look at this from your own standpoint, too. Because if you have the ability, it might make sense to, to see, am I living where I'm supposed sure. to be living at this point? Or in, and living in the place that that it makes the most sense from a financial perspective. Yeah. So I would I just challenge you, and maybe you didn't get anything out, but I just think that over the next three to five to ten years, I want you to watch the 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 macro migration economic. I think that there really will be some impact from this because nobody's talking about that, but there is going to be some behavioral changes that sure. occur because of the tax policy. So with that being the case. I want to nerd out with you guys now. You know, we're kind of giving you the overview. How are we doing on time, Bo? We're great. We're right at 40 minutes, just under 40 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> great. <laughs> okay. We're going to go through this. I'll mention it again, like the Micro Machines guy, which <laughs> nobody knew what that was last time I said it. Go to YouTube, type in Micro Machines. You'll see what I'm talking about. We're going to talk really quick. So here's the thing. Tax codes on the individual side, they're dropping. For most of us, we still have seven tax brackets, but they all kind of came down a little bit. You know, we have the, you know, 12%, 22, 24, 32, 35, 37. You notice those are a little different little, than what about, they used to be. About 2%-ish lower than Yeah, so somewhere between 1% to, to, to 2% less than, than they were. So all tax brackets getting a little bit of a reduction on that. Um, if you're a higher income person... Uh, you used to know that a lot of your itemized deductions were getting phased out. It was called the P's limitation. That's right. Um, and, and if you, the, the income amount was for individuals, it was 261 for individuals, 313 
um, for married couples, you started noticing that you started about 3% of your eyes and eyes deductions over those thresholds were starting to go away. That's gone. So if you're a high-income person, you itemize, you're going to get to keep that stuff. That actually is going to probably result in you getting another 1% um, off on your sure. income taxes because what it really was was a secret income tax on wealthy people. You know, the ta- top tax rate was 396 but because you lost all your itemized deductions, it pushed the rate well over 40. Sure. So that's just something to, to be aware of. We've already talked about the fact that really the losers on this thing, I think all people, especially taking into account the, the, the P's adjustment, all married individuals, um, you know, it, um, from a tax rate perspective, got a tax cut. Um, you know, you might have lost some deductibility because you live in a high income, you know, high state income tax situation, but you did from a tax rate, you'll save money. It's the single individual somewhere around 180 to 200,000, all the way up to 400,000. Your tax rates, you're kind of caught in that limbo land where you might be paying a little bit extra. Marriage penalty is now only for the super high income type people. I'm talking about people making over $600,000 a year. Most people, where because remember what the marriage penalty is, that meant if you looked at the tax rates for an individual person versus a married couple, they weren't two times. I mean, right. you'd think that you just take the individual rate and multiply it by two, and that would be the same for a married couple. It wasn't always that way. They didn't line up perfectly. Now they do pretty much line up all the way up until about $600,000 that, you know, you're, you, there's no penalty whether you're married or uh, single. single. Follow, yeah. so, so that's an important thing to think about. Kitty taxes. You know, in the past, once your income for your, for your kids, if they had investment income, not earned income, like if you go get a job, your in, earned income was always going to be subject to your income tax right. rate. But now that once you, um, you know, had unearned income, investment income and, you know, interest, dividends, capital gains and things like that, up until $2,100, you got to take it as your own income. But once it was over $2,100, all of a sudden, it went to the, the high tax rate of your parents. Well, now it's just going to be tied to the trust tax right. rates, which caps out um, right at 37% once that income's over 12500 I don't think there's a lot of kids that have I, income I think the, the uh, over 12000 It had to be like a $400,000 account for a kid or something like yeah, that. So I, don't, I, don't, I think, if anything, it probably makes things a little easier, but I don't think that has a, a huge impact right. under to most people. A lot of you are probably surprised to find out there's not much impact on the capital gains, qualified no. dividends rate. You know, it's, it, right now it's 0, 15, 20% depending upon where your income <laughs> is. Those rates didn't change. Matter of fact, it's so weird that even though they changed, they, they toggled around with where, where your, those income rates hit, they didn't change it on the capital gains as well as the dividend so rate. So it's a little more complicated. So there's a little separation, might have added a layer of, of complication, but otherwise, it's all the same on that. Still have the 3.8% medical um, surtax that's yep. out there as well. Yep. So that's something to consider. Um, merging the personal exemptions, as, as we I think we mentioned it briefly earlier in the show, you now standard deductions are majority of you are going to probably take a standard deduction, right. but when you took the higher standard deduction, they also merged in your personal exemptions. Right. Um, the good news is, is that, and this kind of rolls into it, is that you are going to get a child tax credit for your kids under 17. And a lot of you probably know, once you were a married couple making over $110,000, you didn't get to take that. I mean, it kind of started, it was gone. It, right. it went away. They pushed that number up significantly. I think it's four hundred thousand now. Two hundred for single, yeah. four hundred for so married. So if you if you're a person making under if you're a married couple and you 
you have these, you know, you hear that the easiest way to save taxes is to create a tricycle motor. <laughs> and then when, you know, you create a tricycle motor and you start having a little bit of success where you made over $100,000 and you realize, well, wait a minute. I don't get that child tax credit. I don't get that. Now you get it. So at least that, uh, that tricycle motor is going to, to, to start creating a little more of a tax benefit for you. That's, Uh, that's a pretty big one. And they doubled it from 1,000 per child to 2,000 per child and up to $1,400 of that 2,000 is refundable if you're a zero taxpayer. That is correct. So, so that, that's a, that's a big benefit for, for people is that, and, and I think that that's what, because I've seen a lot of articles that have been somewhat confused in the fact that they say they made a big deal out of the, the personal exemptions are rolled up into the standard deduction. But here's the good news is if you have children under 17, is that it's a child tax credit. Credits are so much more powerful than deductions because credits are a dollar for dollar reduction in your taxes. If you owe, you know, if you have $1,400 due in taxes, but you have a kid, I mean, it could bring down that fourteen hundred dollars to zero, right. whereas that deduction might not do that. It just lowers your taxable income. So make sure you understand that. Um, I also thought it was kind of cool. There's now also a credit for people who make for married couples up to four hundred thousand dollars for not just your children under seventeen. It could be your adult children if you're providing over fifty percent of their, you know, financial. You know, you're covering their expenses. It could be an adult parent that you might be caring for too. Sure. There's a tax credit for $500 for the people who are even, you know, of over yep. the age of the 17 year old. Um, so that, that's a pretty powerful thing. Um, I don't, itemize miscellaneous deductions. They're gone. They're toast. Yep. Mortgage interest deduction. This is a big one that I think, um, we ought to talk about is that if you currently own a house, Nothing really changes on that, but when you buy a new house going forward, if the mortgage is bigger than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for a married couple, three seventy five for a single individual won't be deduct. Any portion over that will not be deductible. Um, that, Whereas current law is a million dollars. Yeah, a million dollars. So that, that's a big change. <laughs> the other thing that, that's that's pretty big is twenty eighteen. All of your home equity lines that you know people were using back in the '90s and 2000s to buy cars, and as well as some people using them for the right purpose of improving their house, won't be deductible anymore. So home equity lines probably will go the way of the dodo bird. So um, don't don't you know you need to get a plan of action to get rid of those home equity lines as fast as possible. Are those grandfathered in also? Do you know that if you're currently deducting? That's a great question. I, I you know, and I'm going to be honest, don't know the answer on that one. Sure. So it's something that we'll need to look at. We talked about the $10,000 cap on state and local income taxes. Um, mortgage interest deduction. We've talked about charitable deductions are expanded. Oh, yeah. They increased it instead of 50% of AGI up to 60% of I don't AGI. think there's a lot of people that are doing more than 50% of their adjusted income to charity. But there probably are people who donated houses and other things, you know, so there's an increase there. So if you have some carry forwards, they'll probably get loosened up. Sure. Um, medical expenses, we kind of talked about how they went from 10 to 7.5%. Um, that's an important thing. Casualty losses are now limited only to federal disaster relief areas. It's not something like you can just claim a tree fell and go through the calculation. The casualty losses is, is gone unless right. it's something the federal government deems. Um, miscellaneous itemized deductions, made sure I got the miscellaneous in there, yep. is going away. Um, 529 savings plans, we've told you, <laughs> those things have gotten turbocharged, especially if you have kids in private school. Take that in conjunction with the high, the, the salt limitations on the state income taxes and local taxes. You need to pay attention to those specific state benefits for your 529. Take advantage of those things. I was also excited 
ABLE accounts, which are closely related to 529s, just they're designed for ABLE accounts, or 529A accounts, which are designed for special needs. They Now you can roll an, a, a college 529 into a 529ABLE account without tax um, issues. Now, there are limitations to how much you can do each year, so it might take a few years to get in sure. a full transfer, but it's still something to look at. I thought alternative minimum tax. This is a big one. Um, it has gotten much better. You know, you used to, there's an exemption from the old rules were 55000 for individuals, 86200 for married couples. It's now going up to 70300 and 109400 So that's a big benefit. Yep. But here's where even the bigger benefit, I think, is that there was an exemption phase out, meaning that if your income was up too high, if your income was up too high, it would... They'd start phasing out your ability to even have an exemption on for all term minimum taxes. That ex- that phase out was from one twenty three to one sixty four in the old rules. Right now it's five hundred thousand for individuals, a million dollars for married couples. So it's going to be much harder, I think, to get into alternative minimum sure. tax. That's that's a very good thing. So that means people who used to somewhere between one hundred fifty thousand six hundred thousand dollars of income, you're going to be happy to see you might not have Any alternative ANC, minimum yeah. tax as much. Um, big one that, you know, just people want to know because you own a small business and you might have pass-through income. You know, it's, this is a, one that I know I was watching. I've had a lot of clients who are doctors and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, professional people, and they were like, this is hopefully going to be a huge benefit to us small business owners that we're going to get this deduction on our pass-through income. Well, they did come up with something. What, the way this is generally going to work is is that your pass income, pass-through income is going to have a 20% deduction off of it. So only 80% of the income will be deductible. So a lot of you are like, hot diggity dog. That's going to be awesome. Before you get too excited, know that there's a lot of exclusions exclusions in this thing. Because here's what I think the government was worried about. They don't want people taking their wage income for the personal services they're doing within these businesses and then just calling that business income and then excluding, you know, taking this big tax deduction. So the man, they got busy on writing some lots of exclusions. This is going to be probably the most complicated part sure. if you are a small business owner. You need to talk to probably a professional, okay. yep. an accountant, because they, I mean, they wrote in here. I was looking for the terminology. Um, they wrote in here's all the exemptions for professional fields: health. So here's all of our doctors right. gone. Law. Here's all our your attorneys. attorneys. Accounting, which all the CPAs, actuarial sciences. Performing artist, so I guess Lady Gaga is not getting this either on her on her business. Consulting, that's that's very wide. Athletics, financial services, and any other trade or business where the principal asset of the business is the reputation or skill of one or more of its employees. Man, that is a catch-all that's a, of catch-alls. That's a big one. So you can see that they're basically excluding out. A lot of things where it's based upon your skill set, your talent. Um, now, I will tell you, if you're a, a lower-level partner at a firm, and maybe you're, you're a single individual whose income, the phase-out is at one fifty-seven five hundred for individuals, three fifteen for married couples, where those personal service exemptions don't come into play until you exceed the the, the and they just start to phase out at that three fifteen. So somebody who's you know, makes four hundred and fifteen thousand, three fifteen to four fifteen as a married couple, you might still be able to use some of this. But there is a phase out that kicks in. Um but once you make over that four hundred thousand dollar level for a married couple and you have pastor income, 
probably not getting that 20, 20% deduction. Sure. So it's definitely something you ought to consider. Um, you know, that's why there's a lot of people saying that there's going to be people, people that become C Corps. Right. But I, I think about that. Remember, when you're a C Corp, yeah, it's great you get the 21% tax rate. But you get double but the, tax. But every time you pull a dividend or a distribution, that's considered a dividend, you know, you're going to pay, you know, you could be paying 23.8% mm-hmm. based upon, depending on where your income is. That's higher than the 37% bracket. So, yeah, there's probably going to be some play there, but I don't know if it'll be as widespread as some of the articles sure. I, I've been reading um, out there have been. Let's see. I talked about the estate taxes. Oh, let's talk about some things that didn't make it in that everybody was worried about. These are more boogeymans that were, and this is probably a great way to close out the show, Bo, for, for all of our nerds that hung in there with us. A lot of people were worried about certain things that were going to be done away with. I've already mm-hmm. kind of dispelled one of them with the medical expenses right. because that, that actually got better. Um, another one for investors was FIFO. Maybe this is only financial advisors and really financially yeah. nerded nerdy people were thinking about FIFO provision, whereas yeah. it was going to make it where your basis in your investments, right now you have some play on that. You determine when you, you know, if you want to donate assets or if you want to sell them, you kind of determine which ones you're selling at the time right. to give yourself the best tax situation. Um, they, the government considered doing what's called FIFO, which is first in, first out, as an accounting term, um, where that oldest security, which likely is the most appreciated security, was going to be the first one you had to pay so, taxes yeah. on. That would have been a big issue. That would have been a big deal uh, because it would have probably taken out our ability to do loss harvesting mm-hmm. and other cool things we do. Um, and you probably take advantage of too, guys out there, you know, watching this. So that's gone. That did not make it through. It's also, I'm a big Tesla person, like mm-hmm. Tesla, and a lot of people were worried about, hey, is, are the electric, you know, electric car tax credit, the, is it going to be in there? Or is it going to be killed like it was talked about in the House bill and so forth? It actually silent. So in, by, by the sheer fact that nothing was done on it, the current law continues on. So those tax credits still exist. Same thing, um, teachers. You know, right now you get to take an adjustment to income before you get to, you know, itemized deductions, everything else. It's just if you have $250 for school supplies, mm-hmm. that was rumored that that was going away. You still get to take your $250 of school supplies. Um, there was also the adoption assistance tax credit that right. was talked about being done away with. That's still out there. Um, I saw a lot of interviews. It's funny how little things caught the press's and the media's attention. Graduate students who were teaching and then getting a subsidy of their tuition that was going to be taxable under one of the proposals. Now it's, they were silent on that. So if you're doing graduate work, still teaching in college, it's going to be a tax-free benefit sure. for you. That continued on. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that, oh, big one, big one for real estate. Cause this thing's, I think about my home builder, my home builder. And I think a lot of other real estate <laughs> professionals do this because they don't have to pay all the, the real estate, you know, they, well, they don't have to pay the markup of building right. a house plus the real estate commissions. If you're, if you have a real estate agent license as well, they get to cut a lot of that stuff out. So like, I know a lot of people in real estate. We'll live in a house for two years, and then they'll move to another house, and then the appreciation on that house, they just pocket it because, you know, under the current rule, you, if for a married couple, it's up to $500,000 yep. is tax-free as long as you lived in the house two of the last five years. But one of the proposals that was put out there is we're going to change that to five of the last eight years. Wow. So people got to live in it much longer. That got left out. So huh. all you home builders, Still you're going to be able to game. continue to play the game of tax-free income. Um, so that, that's pretty incredible. 
Individual mandate was repealed, but it doesn't kick in on the health care side until 2019. Alimony is going to be, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people who are getting divorced because it used to be, once again, we all love that it's deductible. So at least if you had to pay alimony, you're like, well, I get to deduct it and my former spouse gets to put it as income. That's not going to happen. Now it's just you pay alimony. The tax deduction and, and the tax income is going away. 1031 exchanges, like kind exchanges, are only going to be available to real estate. So all your art and all the equipment mm-hmm. that people were using these, that's going away. Moving expenses, gone. So if you're thinking about moving, move before the end of the year. It's not happening. I'm saying that only joking with tongue to cheek. But moving expense deduction is going away. Um, there's going to be an increased appreciation for business cars, which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. Because um, remember, a lot of this for businesses, they're going to be able to expense. Instead of taking depreciation over several years, they're going to be able to expense a lot of their capital purchases pretty um, pretty quickly. Here's a big one that nobody's talking about, and I think for if you're a small business owner, Crack down on business entertainment expenses. You can still deduct Mills expense at 50%. So when you take a client out to business, you know, out to eat or something, you take it at a 50% deduction. It's not 100% deductible, but right. 50%. But the entertainment side, if an activity is generally considered to be entertainment, amusement, or recreation, no longer deductible. Oh, wow. So that's a, that's a pretty big one. Just can't take them out to a um, baseball game or concert anymore. Yeah. So I mean, th- th- those are, I think that's, how about we nerded it? How, how, how did I do? Are we over 15 minutes? Are we over an hour? We're not quite over an hour yet. That's great. Okay. Woo! I'll take I, a deep I, breath. I think the big, I think the big takeaway here is we're not really going to know how far reaching these changes are. And truthfully, we're not going to really know the true impacts. So we'll get through a few tax seasons, but this at least gives us some meat to play with, some stuff to chew on, some stuff to digest, and some ways to think about how we can make small adjustments in 2018 and beyond. So start trying to have a more optimized, more tax efficient financial situation. So Bo, tell me. How did I do on avoiding the politics? I think you did great. We I think did you okay. Did really good. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. we're still gonna get some emails, sure. and that's what that's gonna lead to. Guys, write us. We we like hearing from you. You can go on a, both the Money Guy website, MoneyGuy.com, as well as AboundWealth.com. We have a contact page. You're more than welcome to reach out to us. Um, you let us know what you like about the show, what we could be doing different, as well as if you want to take the relationship to the next level, we want you to reach out and then. I have to say it because we have so much great stuff. If you like what you hear here and you're like, I can't believe they're just giving this stuff away. We've been doing this since 2006. All you have to do is give us your email address uh, on moneyguy.com. You'll have access to all of our archives for free. I mean, we don't, it's for the sheer price of your email address. And then if you're not looking at our video content where you get to see how goofy we are around Halloween. You get to see what we dress like every day. You get to see what our office looks like, as well as just to see how me and Bo interact with each other. Go check that out, too. You, you're, you're missing out if you're not seeing what we're doing on our YouTube channel. And, then of course, Twitter's where we constantly, like, when this tax was all being discussed and this bill was getting close to being voted on and then was approved, I immediately sent out a tool that you could yep. use to see what the impact was for yourself. So go get connected with those things. We don't drive you crazy. We try to be very deliberate with the information we're sharing with you. Just thank you for being part of the Money Guy family. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll be back in 2018. Oh, that's kind of crazy. That that's like that, that, that nerdy joke you used to do as a kid. Be like, see you next year. Yeah. So, so see you next year. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. 
a bound wealth management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. (laughs) 